welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Serenity to accept the things that cannot change. Wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not be Okay. We are up to we are up to step seven. In this workshop of twelve and twelve, Sexologics Anonymous. And um Step seven for me, step six and seven for me was really um, the turning point of my recovery where one day my wife told me that um, I just simply, I see a shift in you that I've never seen before. And I shared this by the last meeting, um, one of the things I've done in my step six was before walking into my house, simply praying and saying, God, take away my character defects and allow me to be of service to my wife and children. It was as simple as that. And the reason I start of saying that is because step six says clearly we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects in character. And step seven says humbly asking him, him to mean God, to remove these shortcomings. One of the biggest problems with step six and seven is everybody's busy with making lists of the character defects and the character <coughs> assets and and trying to figure out which one is as good and which one is bad and which one they need to get rid of and how do you get rid of in this workshop and these books and there's, there's so much to do with character defects that it almost becomes like a like a like a, a, an entire um, um, like I don't even know the word an entire um, indulgence into and almost like excitement an amusement park of character defects. And then we have to try to figure out how to get rid of them. And it's, it's, it's very simple. Step six says, again, we're entirely ready to have God remove them. And in step seven, we humbly say, humbly in an attitude of, I can't remove these character defects. God, could you do it for me? And when I got to that place and I took those actions and I simply before walking into my house, centered myself, not for a minute, not for 10 for 10 seconds, exactly as I said. God, please allow me to be a service of my wife and children, take away my character defects. My whole life changed. My whole entire life changed. The, the, the conversation the, around raising children in a fellowship where the father is a sexaholic and the mother is an Essanon, whether she's part of Essanon or not, but she was affected by sexualism. I don't know if it's ever spoken in, in, in the program. It's a heavy, heavy topic. Our children are not raised under regular conditions. If my wife, as a result of me being a sexaholic, became an Essanon, 
then we need to ask ourselves a simple question. What did our children become? What does it mean to be an Esenon? An Esenon means affected by the disease of sexualism. An Alanon is somebody who's affected by the disease of alcohol. What is a child affected by the disease of his father needing a drug that is so powerful that without the drug, or even with the drug, what he does is either rage, shut down, run away, leave the home, anger, confusion, shame, guilt. What, what's the effect of that? I know when I was um, you know, growing up, when my parents would argue or scream, there was a feeling inside of me that you can't explain. Only a child could explain that. That can't, I should say, cannot explain that feeling. It's a feeling of like, like, like you don't know what you're doing to me. It's, it, it's so disturbing. It's so uncomfortable that the child literally doesn't know what to do. And I, I remember as a little kid, like sitting there, I remember as an older child, a teenager, and it's like you would do anything in the world to get your parents to, you know, behave. Anything in the world. It is so damaging to a child. It's so horrendous to a child. I came to, to believe and recognize that God doesn't make mistakes in this world. He created every single child with the tools and the ability to be a wholesome, good person. Without pollution, without the pollution of the world, every child would integrally be a good person. It doesn't mean some children aren't born with a little bit more tendencies towards one way or tendencies towards another way. But if you take that child and you put that child in the correct atmosphere, that child will turn out good. I said last week, you know, how my grandmother explained to me that the reason you were called a beer as a child is because you were in a zoo at home. My wife explained the termination, the, the, what my grandmother meant when she said that I was a, a sheep in her home. When my family was saying that I was a beer as a child. And it's very simple, my wife told me. When you're raised in a zoo, you need to be a beer. And you, when you're raised with cattle, it's calm and it's sensitive and it's caring and this tremendous love, you could be a sheep. So this is the point that I'm trying to bring out. Every child innately is good. What happens is, because of our character defects, we wake up 10, 12, 15, 25 years later and say, look, God, look, look at the child you gave me. Look how difficult this kid is. When in reality, we created the difficult child. We know growing up in the school systems or even at home when our parents or our teachers or Authority looked at us and said, we're problem children. And in ourselves, we intuitively knew we're not problem children. It's the way we're being taken care of or the lack thereof. You're creating the monster and then calling us the monster. Character defects is the cause of us creating monsters. I remember when I came into programs, the same thing with the wife and... I learned very quickly that if my wife is in a bad mood, it doesn't mean I'm married to a loser. 
if my wife is feeling down, it doesn't mean I'm married to a loser. It means it's an opportunity for me to start giving and loving my wife. Obviously, she's hurting. Now, imagine I shame her and I belittle her and I explain to her that you feeling rejected by your friends, you actually are a loser and that's why they rejected you. How would she feel? Now, imagine if she gets that 10, 20, 30 times a day, how would she would feel? Now, imagine I did that for years to her and then all of a sudden I wake up and she's walking around and feeling and acting and giving off a loser mentality and then me actually walking away after 10 years married and saying I'm married to a loser. I've seen in my children a 360 change depending on where I am in recovery. Even in recovery, when I am zoned in and geared into my children's needs, seeing how they're blossoming, and then when I get self-centered or I'm just busy with my business or I'm, I'm just trying to make a life, or, 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 and I seriously could actually, if you're in tune and you pay attention, you see... I've seen my children, their potentials falling. It's no different than somebody who's running a business. If the boss is away, you know, the mice will play. It's very simple. The reason I picked this up before is um, the way I like to see it, and I once heard this, is like every child needs a hundred positivities a day. Every child. A positivity could be a smile, a positivity could be a look. A positivity could be a love you, a tap on the shoulder. A positivity could be, come here, I want to give you a kiss. A positivity could be, I was just talking to mommy, you know, you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me. A positivity could be, wow, I like what you're wearing. A positivity could be, you know, I thank Hashem every single day for you. A positivity could be, you're the greatest thing that ever happened. Again and again and again. A positivity could be, you want to talk? No, I'm not interested. It doesn't make a difference if they're interested. It's a positivity. How many times in program do we feel old timers don't answer our call, reject us, are not there for us, they, they don't talk to us? What are you feeling? You're feeling a feeling of I'm not important. They don't care about me. You're an adult. You're 30 years old. You're 40 years old. You're 20 years old. Why are you feeling so rejected? Imagine an eight-year-old feeling that from his father. A 15-year-old, a 20-year-old. Just, just give me one second. I'm just on a busy call. Just give me one second. Just, 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 just. And the kid looks over. You're playing a stupid game. You're doing absolutely nothing. So the reason I picked this up is it's very simple. Children are very, are very um, resilient. But enough times you empty their bucket, they start feeling that they are empty. So instead of giving them all the positivity and the positivity, and actually coming home and filling their bucket, if I come home and just, just leave me alone, and I start taking stuff out, and it's like, what are you doing? And I start taking stuff out. And then they see me and mommy just getting into a little confusion or argument, and I start taking stuff out. And then I'm like, you want to talk? And then I start putting a few of them back in, and then I, I'm, I'm so, once I'll talk to you later. And then the kid is like, huh? And it's like, you didn't put that away? And it's like, emptying out. And then it's like, why don't you go play with your friends? And this kid would out 
so many tools is like my friends don't like me and then you give like a, a look like yeah look how you're acting and the reason the kid said my friends don't like me is because he doesn't have tools to go after into the world to play with his friends right now and then you say a comment like now the reason I know this is I've done all these problems <laughs> it's like what do you expect from your friends like, why should they want to play with you if you don't want to play with them? And, blah, 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 blah. and the whole reason I'm doing this is just, I just want to get my fix. I just want to watch porn. I just need this kid out of the house. And this kid feels intuitively, doesn't want to be there. And you just took a few more of them out. And then finally, the kid gets enough guts to go out or sits by himself and plays and feels like a loser. You know what this kid with barely any tools inside of him is going to do? It's going to start chepering, bothering his sister, start complaining, stop being, what's for supper? I never like what you're eating. That's how you talk? That's how you talk to your mother? And this poor kid is just trying to get something out of the parents. He's basically left with nothing. And then this kid with a little wimpy voice or anger or rage, whichever style the kid is feeling. I'm not eating tonight. Not only are you not eating, not only are you not eating, I'm not going to feed you anything. You don't deserve to eat. You're going to sit at the table and watch everybody else eat. Or not only are you going to eat, you're going to eat exactly what you don't like to eat. Because we're going to show them. And this poor little thing is sitting there basically like this. And then I said to my wife, and like, you think we should send this kid for therapy? The kid, the kid needs a little help. The kid is confused. And I spoke to his Rebbe. Rebbe said he, there's something going on by him. Oh, yeah. I sober for years in recovery. It's obviously, it's obviously not me. That I already settled the school with my sponsor. I am obviously not the one that, that is doing anything wrong to this child. Now, you know where all of the taking all this out of the bucket came from? I'm feeling like garbage because I just flirted with a girl. So I don't know how to communicate with a kid. And the kid says, I don't like my teacher. I don't know how to respond, because I don't care you don't like the teacher. I need to, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to have a relationship with that girl. <laughs> your teacher's not exactly on my mind right now. You know what I mean? I'm pissed off that your mother, without telling him, doesn't look like the neighbor. I don't care about your petty stuff. You need a dollar to go, you know? Or, here's a dollar, leave me alone. It's the same idea, basically, you're worthless. It all comes from my lack of, of, of having all of my bucket filled. I can give to somebody else if my own personal bucket is not filled. How am I supposed to give if I'm holding on to every last little thing? Save me, save me, save me. I have nothing left. I have nothing left. How am I supposed to give out to somebody else? I need every piece of this because it wasn't given to me as a child, possibly. So I can't afford to give you any. I don't have what to give. You know, it's so interesting when, you know, we come into program, we think we're just powerless over sex and lust, and that's it. And, like, and then, you know, you, you try to just get rid of the sex and lust, and life is going to work out. And I keep saying this in this, in this um, workshop. Our solution to life was my bucket was empty... And the only thing that could fill this up was a naked woman. Was that girl smiling at me? 
my inadequacy, feeling like a loser. I was in a meeting yesterday in an office and there's, before speaking to the, to the owners of the company, you have to walk through all the other people over there and there was a lot of women there, attractive, especially when I'm feeling inadequate and feeling stupid and I have to present my case. And when I go speak to these people and I'm trying to be who I'm supposed to be and I'm trying to put on what I'm supposed to put on, if I'm feeling empty, what do you think I'm going to feel? I'm going to feel like those women want me. You know why? Because I feel such a loser because none of them want me. Because I'm so inadequate. I'm such a loser. My bucket is so empty. But if my bucket is filled because I have a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity because I gave my will and my life over to God because I'm not any more self-centered, resentful, fearful, harmful. If I ask God to remove my character defects and he actually removes them because I don't sit there and hold on to it like this and say I'm not giving it up no matter what. And I made amends to everybody that I harmed, that I asked God in step 11 for his direction, and my bucket is now actually full. I have so much to give over to so many people. I have the ability to empty out some of my bucket because my bucket is filled. You know those people that, that are so easy with their tongue they could just compliment nicely and they could just give out compliments so obviously some of it could come from a place of low self-esteem and trying to kiss up to people making people feel good but you know when you find that wholesome guy who just could give a compliment because he's not empty because he has enough in his tank to give he doesn't feel empty if my tank is empty what do you think my kid's tank is going to feel if you're like me you know, with my parents at least, at certain times I felt like my parents didn't fit the mold that I wish they could be. Whether if you wanted your parents to be a little bit more from, a little less, dress a certain way, act a certain way, you know that feeling of feeling like a loser in front of your parents? Your kids don't feel that in front of you. Especially if they're being shamed. you want a, a detection I know for myself so I know if I'm spiritually fit and if I'm in a good place with my wife and children is when I put my kids to sleep do I want to get them asleep and in bed very fast like less than 10 seconds just say Shema you know just pray leave me alone or do I have the patience to sit by their bed and rub them and talk to them and ask them about their day even saying it sometimes is uncomfortable it's like, I, I had it from the whole day. Like, well, just let me be. If I'm thinking, let me be, you think my child doesn't feel let me be? If I'm in the car and a friend calls and I answer the call and I'm on the phone with a friend, a program member, so I'm helping the program member, and my children are sitting there and they finally had the 10-minute drive with Hathi across down, and I put them first, they're not going to feel it? I feel that I'm putting them first my friend before my kids. My kids are not going to feel, of course they're going to feel that. You know how I know? 
Because I remember the other day my father was in a meeting and I called him and he answered the phone and he was talking to me for a minute and after speaking to me for a minute he said, Chaim, I gotta be honest with you, I'm in a meeting. I said, so why did he answer a phone? And he said, because you're the most important thing in my life. It felt so good. It felt so good. You even feel how good that feeling feels. Like, oh, I can't wait for my father. My father would never do that. What happens? All the questions. What happens if I don't have a father that would ever say that to me? Right? Because you feel that energy of positivity. You think our children will feel that positive energy? The same way we feel sexual energy. The same way we feel negative energy. We feel positive energy. Roy K. talks in the, in the end of his story at the end of, of, of step 12 in the white book he explains that when he felt that his wife was hurting or uncomfortable or not at ease he realized it's his responsibility to make sure that she is comfortable and she's just a reflection to where he's holding so whether she knows it or not praying for her and sending her positive energies even when she's not around gives her feelings of feeling good. Because we're one soul, we're one connection, and if I'm giving negative energies, if I'm sitting at a meeting thinking, I married the wrong girl, she feels it the same way you feel it. If I'm sitting here at the meeting and wishing my wife would only, and wishing my children would only, and if only my kids, and they feel the same thing. Being able to have an open dialogue with my children and, and, and have a communication where they actually feel positive and not being scared to be able to go over to my child. I do this all the time and I say, hey, Paro, what's going on? You, it seems like there's, there's something bothering you. Get away. No problem. Just know I love you and I'm here for you. Wow. Imagine my parents would have raised me that way. You know, imagine they didn't run away. Just say, just, just say the prayer. Good night, love you. Mwah, mwah. Or we got to run, we got to run. Just, just, go to bed, don't go to bed. Just whatever you want. You know? We hear in meetings all the time, I'm trying to speak to my boss and he never has time for me. So what? He doesn't have time for you. He's a busy guy, what's the problem? It's a feeling of I'm a loser. He doesn't give me, when he gives me an ear, he gives me a half-baked ear. You know? My children feel so much those vibes so from coming from a place where my wife would say Chaim where I told my wife I can't have anything to do with raising the children to a place where my kids are like can we have those long um, you know um, Sabbath um, meals together the long ones the ones that we talk about different things and we discuss and I, can we do one of those this week where my kids just want to hear from me and they want to be around where it's fun and it's enjoyable the worst thing is me with the feeling of I need to raise my children and teach them how life, what life's about and show them what's right and wrong. Isn't it interesting? Our literature says that we don't know the difference between right and wrong, but we're going to teach our children what's right and wrong. The best way to teach them what's right and wrong is not teach them so we don't confuse them. What's right or wrong? This, this type of actress and not this one? Like, what, what, am, what is my um, geniusness in? Where did I spend my most time in? This porn, not that type of porn. This type of acting, not that. Like, where do I have my degree in, in taking care of my children? What do I really know? The humility to just stand back. 
And instead of emptying the bucket, every single interaction with my child is either taking one out or putting one in. That is factual. Every interaction with my child is either taking out of them or putting in for them. My kids are so needy. Obviously, they're so needy. Maybe you're not giving them enough. No, I'm giving them too much. We take them all over and we give them everything. Maybe sit down with somebody and discuss what does that mean. But it was a very humbling experience for me in, in my course of being in program for 13 years now of recognizing and realizing that when my children are acting up, it's because they don't have a present father. All of our complaints about God, think about it, just hit me right now. All of our complaints about God is we feel like God wasn't there for us. Isn't that interesting? He abandoned us. He's ready to punish us. He wants to get us for the things we did wrong. That almost sounds like me as a kid. Is that how my children would sound? If they had an open voice and they were able to share what they're really feeling? Now a child that's walking around empty like this, completely nothing left in the bucket practically, is going to turn around to the world and ask the world to fill that bucket. And let me tell you, we know better than anybody, there's no greater way to fill this bucket than with some porn, with some masturbation. There is no easier way than filling that bucket. And there's nothing so accessible in 2022 like porn. But every one of us know in our heart and soul that we would throw out all the porn in the world for a serious intimate relationship with God and our parents. In our heart and soul, we would throw that out. If I could tell you, you'll have a beautiful relationship with your wife, with your children, with your parents, and with God, you will never look at porn again. We all know that in our heart and soul, because that's it we really want. That's what we're really looking for, relationships. That's why we spoke to the porn stars while they were doing their things. That's why we begged them to love us, because we were lacking that love and that intimacy. Our sex drive will disappear to a certain extent if we fill ourselves fuller. We won't have to stay sober by the skin of our teeth and then eventually after one month, two months, five months, five years, act out. Because we're filled. We don't need the porn industry to fill it up. It doesn't mean you won't get triggered. It doesn't mean you won't have a desire. It won't be a weak moment. But we're filled. And especially in today's world, where let's be honest, it is not easy for the kids out there with the competition, with the competitiveness, the same way we're in a world and a society with all the very, very wealthy people and we want to become the next biggest thing and the biggest talk and giving the biggest donations and driving the, the latest and everything. You think our kids don't feel all that? How are they supposed to process all that with their brain being spiraling? with a father who's out to lunch, who doesn't want to be married to their mother. How is a kid supposed to process? Or who, is, who is this kid supposed to talk to? 
But if my character defects are not there, then I have that opportunity to sit down with my child when my child is of appropriate age and have not the talk, continuous talks with my child about sexuality. You know, you have a part of your body that's this big, sometimes becomes this big out of nowhere. He doesn't know what to do with that. You know, hair is growing. What does that even mean? What happens if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're wet, you didn't make, and you feel weird? I'm able to talk to them about life's experiences. When this whole story broke in the community of this guy who was molesting kids, I was able to talk to my kids about it. It wasn't a conversation, each kid's serious because I have my character defects coming up of my childhood trauma of the, the molestation that was done to me. I was able to work through that because I have a 12-step program. So when it came up, I first made phone calls, I worked through it, I did what the program said, and then I was able to be a father, wholesome, being able to talk to my child about it. Where my wife was confused and she was able to come over to me, we were able to communicate, I was able to be humble enough to listen to what the rabbis have to say in the world. Because my character defects didn't come up, but rabbis know nothing, who has as much experience as Chaim for the past 13 years I've been in, involved in this thing. Some rabbi's going to tell me what I don't know. I was able to seek out, the big book says, seek out where other people are right. I took the good, I left the bad. But with the character defects, all the rabbis are dead, the whole community's dead, everybody's getting molested in every single school, and the whole world's going to go to hell, so what am I sitting with my child? So when my child feels those emotions, I give over to my child. Watch your pipic without telling that to my child. And then my child wants to know why he's feeling inadequate. But if my character defects are not there, I'm able to be present for my children and I'm able to be present and be able to be present. And for my family. So one great tool, and this changed my entire life, like I said before, is A, asking God to take away my character defects which allows me to fill my children's bucket when I come home. My job is to fill their bucket. If my bucket isn't filled, then my job is to fill my own bucket. How to do that is a separate whole talk. But my job is to fill my own bucket. But my job as a father is to give to my children and fill their buckets. But if I'm lusting after the girl, I can't fill their bucket. And if I'm dying for sex all the time, I can't fill their bucket because I don't even know that there is a bucket. I don't have the headspace to even meditate on my kids' needs. I don't even know that they have needs. I just know one thing. I want to go to Florida. My kids need to be taken care of. Go where you want. We'll set you up whatever you want. We'll buy you what you want. Just leave me to hell alone because I'm uncomfortable. You know, at one point, there was rumors in my house that maybe I'm quitting my job. My kids were dancing from happiness. They came over to me every single day. So you're going to be home? So you're going to be home? So you're going to be home? I was raised in a world where like, when is Tati coming home? <laughs> Tati's going to come home and then you're going to see. <laughs> and then when he walks through the house, the, the total difference. I remember when Shmuley brought up to me in an early recovery, dance with your kids. Turn on the music and just labor the fun, happy, exciting. Blast the music. Shmully one, not Shmully forty-eight. You know, like just blast. You could bring such. There's only one Shmully. Very good. <laughs> the 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 attitude, the attitude in the home to make it fun. But if my character defects are there, who's putting on music? I'm pissed like hell. 
wife didn't want to give me sex. I'm not making enough money. I'm complaining, 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 complaining. I'm constantly focused on the 5% that God didn't give me instead of the 95% that God did give me. What program gives me is the ability to focus on the 95% that is there anyway. I forgot who I heard it from, but it's like, you know, you're driving down a gorgeous scenic view. And you see out of every window, up, top, bottom, sides, and all around, the beauty of the lakes and the rivers and the birds and the trees. And you roll down your window and there's a breeze and life is just great. And all of a sudden a bird passes over and just makes one spot right on the windshield. If you're like me, the rest that arrived, stupid, stupid. Look at that, look at that, look at that. You have, you, have, you have something to get rid of it? You have something to, anybody have something to get rid of it? Then you start with the, 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 the spray. And then it starts going all over and the whole thing. And then you get angry and your wife tells you, why did you spray it? I told you, just leave it alone. The kids are upset. They want to get out of the car. And you're pissed. And you take a thing. You go outside and you wipe it off. And meanwhile, you're driving. Everybody's pissed like hell. One poop. That's how I live my life. A little poop. Boom. The rest of life goes to hell. The rest of life goes to hell. I don't appreciate 95, sometimes 98%. You know why? It's a little poop. I did something very stupid because of my character defects and I got involved in the market. Tell me honestly, I got involved in the stock market instead of giving it to the people that know what they're doing, like people in program told me to do. I decided I'm doing it myself. And I lost a lot of money. Everybody for their own, what a lot means, everybody's deciding how much did he lose, how much did he make. I lost a decent amount of money. I can't tell you the beauty of what it means being in a 12-step program. Of course it hurt, and of course it was bothersome. And of course I talk about it all the time. There wasn't a thought of acting out over it. There wasn't a thought of like, that's it, life is not worth it, little poop, the whole thing. Even people will ask me, so what are you doing? It's like, okay, I have a portfolio. I have money here, I have money here, I have this here, I have that here. I made a stupid mistake. And the mistake came solely because of my character defects. Now I know to listen to people in program, people who told me not to get involved. I know what to do, what not to do. I also know I'm crazy. I also know I'm powerless over it. I can laugh about it and move on. I have the ability to laugh at when I mess up my home and go over to my children and apologize. And my children goes, here comes Tati again to say I'm sorry. And I say, yep, Tati made a boo-boo again. Made a mistake. And my kids have it even when they mess up with each other. Now they'll go over to each other and say I'm sorry. And it's almost like, here comes the Say I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. It's okay. It's a big deal. We're human beings. But there's nothing going on in my home the way I was raised, where you know why I shrieked at you? Because of what you did. That's why I shrieked. If you wouldn't have gotten me so upset, that's why I shrieked. If I was a kid, if I would have been able to say, maybe Taya had a hard day in work, that's why you shrieked. Maybe you didn't work on your character defects or trust in God. Or maybe you didn't get laid last night. Or, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe. That's why you shriek. And shamed and belittled. And it has nothing to do with me. Because like, how could an eight-year-old really get you under your nerves so much except for your own personal character defects? 
or Rebbe who beat the crap out of me, maybe it's because of your stuff that you didn't work through of the Holocaust, the God knows what. And because I was able to get rid of my character defects to a certain extent, I was able to today see the beauty in the school system with a principal. My kid's principal, the first time I walked into the, I'll finish off with this and then we'll do some questions. The first time I walked into the school with my kid, this goes back already uh, 10 years ago or something, and I saw the principal go, like wave his finger to one of the kids to come over. And my wife was next to me, I turned red, I stiffed up, I was ready to pounce the principal. I had a flashback of being a child. The principal would do that and I'd whack the kid across the face. And my wife literally was next to me and said, just relax, calm down, you'll see what's gonna happen. And I saw the principal like take his hand and nicely you know, stroke the kid across the kid's uh, face like in a gentle way of saying, I love you and how was your day? And I, I saw the principal, I walked over to the principal without any shame afterwards and I said, wow, exactly how I was raised. Just exactly, you know? And I walked out of there crying, walked out of there crying. And for the next five years, every single day, after going, dropping off my kid in school, I walked away and I cried. But I didn't say, because of the, what I've done and what I went through, I just can't go there. I called my sponsor, my sponsor said, don't get involved, don't go there, blah, 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 I'm good. No, I worked through it, I knew it's gonna hurt, I knew the pain's gonna come up, my job is to be a father. And when I would leave, I would call, make some phone calls, I would cry. This went on for the first literally five, seven years. One day I walk into the school and the principal comes over to me and he waves his finger like this and he says, come over here. <laughs> and I burst out laughing and he burst out laughing. He took me to the office and said, I have to tell you, I caught your kid in class um, making like some artwork. And um, I, I really loved it so much, I hung it up on the wall right here. And it hit me like, is that what type of father I am to my child? I'm so busy with the school system, what they did to me and what they're gonna do to my child. When my child doodles in his way of doodling, making mistakes, doing his own thing, do I hang up his mistake and glorify it and love him and praise him? Or do I belittle it and shame it and knock it? And then the principal said to me, by the way, you could take a candy since you're in the principal's office. <laughs> do I do that to my kids when they're hurting instead of belittling them? Do I hand them candies? Whether it's through talk or physical. If I want to have a chance of breaking the cycle of insanity from generation to generation, I must get rid of my character defects. If my home is not a pleasant, happy, enjoyable home i gotta get rid of my character defects otherwise it's just it's just going to spiral if i i you don't take the problem and you don't take the 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 solution it all is on god all the character defects is all on god and that's what we started off with step six and step seven is all on god you say god do it for me but the place that i need to become is willing is willing is willing And that's it. It's as simple as that. If we work on our character defects, we have the opportunity to really have a beautiful home. And we want to go home. And that's the one place I want to spend more than anywhere in the world today is my home, which is a true miracle. So that's it, I got it. And we'll open the floor for sharing. Thank you.
to identify when I'm ready to have God remove my character defects. Let's say I'm angry. How do I, before I, before I do step seven and pray, how do I, how am I entirely ready? Very good. So the question is, how do I become entirely ready to have God remove my character defects? I heard from Sandy B. He says, when you come into program, you got to be ready for everything from step one all the way to step 12 by walking into the program. If you're not ready, good luck saying it's over. I got I to be ready that this Chaim wants hookers. This Chaim just wants to act out. The new Chaim just doesn't. And when he does, he becomes newer. The old me is going to act out. The new me won't. It's an attitude of constantly, instead of looking at the whole world and saying, world change, my parents' fault, my teacher's fault, your fault, his fault, everybody's fault, my children's fault. It's for once and for all to always say, it's not about fault anymore. It's about taking responsibility. If there's something in my life that is not pleasant, I bring pleasantness to it. Step 11. The Lord's Prayer. Where there's discomfort, I bring comfort. Where there's pain, I bring healing. Where there's darkness, I bring light. That's my job. At all times, under all conditions, and there's never a time now. And you'll see it. When you do that, you'll be happy. And when you don't, things just won't work out. I did a workshop once, and I asked, does anybody have any questions? And everybody picked up their hands. And Barb Parker once did like 20 guys. I said, okay. Let's now do the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll do the questions again. There was one guy who picked up his hand after the Lord's Prayer. One guy. The guy really picked up his hand for the humor of, like, to show everybody else that, I still have a question, you know. If you live your life, really, I'm not shushing people up from questions. I'm trying to, to just bring out a point. If you live your life of, I'm here to be of service to my children, God gave me these precious gifts I don't belong being married. I don't. If you got what goes on in my head, I don't belong being married. I don't belong having children. I don't belong having children that are amazing today. I don't, I don't belong. It's not who I am. I'm in the porn industry. You understand? This is not where I belong. What a gift. Take care of them like gold, like diamonds. Spend more time meditating about your children and about your wife and about their healthy emotional stability as much at least as meditating about finances for those people that already finished meditating about their porn and acting out all the time but if you're still by the porn and acting out that at least as much as that after that comes the next addiction money I'm just sitting here and um, I guess one of the big feelings that's coming up is how far I am from that. You know, I'm in recovery, I'm working on myself already two, three years, and how far I am from that little, my little marriage that I'm just beginning, um, from things like that, uh, from my siblings' relationships. And I guess my question is, can you comment on, you know, you showed us the before and the after. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the middle, or what you did other times. I appreciate it. Okay, so the question is, what does the middle look like? Meaning there's the before of it was crazy and nuts, and at the end it was, it's, it's, it sounds like peaches and roses, right? 
And what does the middle look like? So first of all, the end is not peaches and roses. Let's make this very clear. This is continuous work, continuous work. We live a real life. Kids come home with bad moods and anger, and sometimes I lose it and I have to control myself. It's life, the way life is meant to be. First of all, you're a lucky guy. <laughs> you're a very lucky guy. You're a guy that's sober for a few years and you're starting a marriage. You're coming in way ahead of everybody else in the world. So you're very lucky for that. And the answer is we're allowed to mess up and you're allowed to make mistakes. The middle looks messy. It's like walking into the middle of a surgery. It's like walking in the middle of baking. When Sabbath starts, everything looks beautiful. Come there 12 minutes before that, and it's like all hell is breaking loose, right? But because in my home, before Sabbath started, it was chaotic, so I have a strong emphasis on creating an atmosphere in my home of calmness before Sabbath to the point that people come into my home and they're like, when did this happen? Like, what's going on? Why is everybody so okay? Because it was... I'm breaking the cycle. It's hard. It's hard to break the cycle. It's difficult. It's very difficult. It's almost like, and then my, my character defects come up. Oh, you're the guy that's going to set the table Thursday night. <laughs> like, like, right? Like, it's all character defects based. It is all character. But there's that attitude. It's all about exactly what I just told now. It's an attitude. If I'm, in, if I'm off the road of self-centered, low self-esteem, egotistic, life did wrong to me, everybody owes me, I'm deserving, I'm entitled, and therefore I masturbate and watch porn and do whatever I want and I don't care where the chips fall. If I get off of that road and I simply get onto a new road, it's called a spiritual godly road of, of, of how do I live through God? What is God's will for me on this world? How could I make the world a better place? How could I be more spiritual? How could I help my children find God in a much deeper, intimate way and make it easier for them on their journey? How could I be a support for my wife and children? If I'm meditating and thinking in that way, then I'm thinking in that way. I once asked Harvey, how do I not think about lust? He said, by thinking about something else. I could, maybe my brain will constantly go back to us, but I could stop and start thinking about something else. I had to practice really thinking about my children and meditate about them and meditate about their needs and their wants and giving to them and making myself uncomfortable to make them comfortable, which ends up making me comfortable. Like I said, it is very uncomfortable sitting there at bed, especially if you have a bunch of kids, putting each one to sleep. It's like, it's like at one point, it's like, just leave me alone. And then you have the older kids coming in at 10 o'clock and it's like, Rah! you want some time for yourself, but you know something? If I give to all of them, I go to sleep feeling so good. And if I dismiss all of them and they're like, leave me, I just need time for myself. And then I sat there and watched the movie for an hour, went on sports and blah, 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 blah. And then I answered a call from a program member because I'm spiritual and I'm there for the program. I feel like shit going to sleep and I want to masturbate. It's an attitude. It's all about an attitude change. <clears throat> Question is, um, is there a balance uh, between, basically, my son wakes up a little early. He wakes up usually around 5, 5.30, 5.45, and he's not putting around the house. 
And sometimes he comes into the bedroom, like waits around like this. And sometimes, uh, this morning I was nice and I told him to come lay next to me and I felt very good about it that I was able to, I was up anyway, so I told him to come lay next to me and we hung out for five minutes together before I came to the meeting. But usually I'd send him to bed, like, please, please go back to sleep, like, almost, it's five o'clock in the morning, like, what do you want from us? Is there a balance between, like, discipline and, or do I not, do I not get to do that? So how, the question really is, under any circumstance, how do I discipline children? There is a form of discipline. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is I need to discipline myself before disciplining others. Again, I need to discipline me. If what's coming up for me is rage and anger, there's no room ever for rage and anger. Now, don't get me wrong with me. If my kid wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I become rageful. <laughs> I'm not floating out of the room. Oh, my dear child, love me. Just love you to pieces. I go crazy. But then I take an inventory and I work on myself. And if I messed up, I know to do it different. And one of the great tools that I do is I go over to my wife and ask her, what did I do wrong? She knows exactly what you did wrong every time. She takes your inventory all day. But I have enough humility to ask it and I get free sponsorship, free feedback. And she knows exactly what I do wrong. And if I'm really half of her and she's really half of me and we're really whole together, she really does know me. And then I don't feel bad if she's criticizing me or telling me what I'm doing wrong. And she learns to do it in a respectful way because I give her that platform to do it. Not, I don't, this is very important. I don't shush her up and tell her how stupid it is and blah, 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 where she's so scared to tell me anything. And then when she finally muscles up enough guts, she throws up at me with rage and anger and confusion. She has nothing to throw up. She tells me exactly what she thinks and feels. And thank God she doesn't, because if she did, if she shut up, then I wouldn't be the person who I am today. I get the, people ask me who's my sponsor. I honestly could tell you today, my wife is more my sponsor than anybody else in the world. And I take direction from a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a little boy. And sometimes we have it out, of course. Again, this, this humanness. So the answer is, under all circumstances, you first take your own inventory. On the spot, we're going to screw up all the time. Or a lot of the time. Until we stop screwing up a lot of the time. And it becomes less and less. You take our own inventory. You make a phone call. What are the gifts and program? You have a hundred doctors to call about the same circumstances that they've gone through a hundred different times. You're able to process it and look for an easier and simpler and better way. There's no perfect answer to any, any one thing. Quickly. Yeah, this totally leads into what was on my mind when you just said, which is basically, um, just in the last 24 hours, I had I, I'm always sharing about one of my sons who drive me insane or just doesn't listen and does all the things you spoke about earlier. And I lose it at him and I've been physically abusive with him. Um, and my wife, obviously. So my wife's 90%, the kid's 10%, problem-wise, you know. Um, and I've seen a lot of progress, like yesterday morning I come home, okay, again, he's not going to school. You want to talk to him? I'm like, uh, yeah. I got, the, I got the thing, we're just running out of time, so I'll get to the point. What happens if you have a problem child who's difficult, who's giving you a run for your money? That's the long and short of it. And I'm trying everything to do and it's not working. It's, I've gotten a lot of progress with the son. The issue is the wife. And I've gotten a lot of progress and then the wife is losing it at it. I need to have enough humility, right, to listen to my wife's opinion. The reason my wife is losing it is because I'm not willing to listen. 
So when I shush her up, she screams louder. And when I shush up more, she screams even louder. She has a much higher pitch than you. She's going to win. The only time we win is when we're dead. Okay? Our wives win. It's character defects. Where's my voice? Where am I? Where am I? You're a wholesome, good guy that's giving your wife a platform to talk. Wow, that's who you are. You're a considerate, loving person to your wife and you're allowing your wife to be a good person. Wow, that's who I am. I treat my wife like a queen and I can walk around proud of that. Wow, that's who Chaim is today. But I'm not treated like a king. Treat her enough like a queen, I promise you you'll become the king. I've witnessed it myself. I've seen it. And it's not even her personality. It's not a personality to want to be treated like a queen. It's not a personality to treat me like a king. But I've seen both. If you're being abusive to your child, thank God this thing is being recorded. Go for help immediately. Spend all the time, money, and effort and get the help. You have childhood trauma. They will not stop you hitting your children. Go for trauma work and help immediately. But the only thing you're going to create is a rateful child who'll end up picking up an addiction to solve the problem of anger. You know how I know? That's what I did. That's what tons of us did. And I couldn't stop until I got help. And run like if it's a fire. If you feel the need to slap your kid or hurt your kid or do something like that, run out of the house. It's worse than, worse than lust. It's lust. You act it out. Run. It's illegal, first of all. <laughs> it's illegal. United States of America, you're not allowed to hit your kid. It's illegal. And if your child had a voice, he would punch you back in the face. And hitting is, again, is shushing up your child. So we have a way to shush up our wife. And now we have a way to shush up our child. And visualize taking a gag and just gagging your child and gagging your wife. That's what we do. That's what I've done. It's, it's, it's very, very scary. It's really dangerous and it's very scary. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just begging, if anybody has anger issues and it's coming out at their children, go for help immediately. You're creating a monster. And if any one of your children, and I'll finish off with this because we could talk about this topic forever. If you have a child that is difficult, it's God's gift to you to work on yourself and work on your relationship with primarily that particular child. It's God's gift to you. It's not God's curse to you. It's God's gift to you that through this child you'll be able to hit your max potential in this world. If you see it that way, go out with this kid, spend time with this kid, play ball with this kid, play chess, get into his personality. My child who I was struggling with was the exact opposite personality than me. I gave him violin lessons and guitar lessons and art lessons, everything that doesn't have his slightest interest in me. Today, I happen to love art, I happen to love guitar, and I happen to admire his, his violin to the highest level. And like my wife says, yeah, you were able to do push-ups. Got you places in life. You were able to throw a ball in the basket, and you were very good at it. <laughs> I need him to throw a ball in the basket because I did. And he's blossoming. You could ask anybody, he's the top kid now. Gave him what he needs, and he taught me how to love the opposite type of personality of me. He gave me that gift. 
And today, when he gives me a, a, a talk to listen to from a rabbi, I'm able to actually listen and gave him and go back to him and say, wow, that was amazing. As opposed to all the pain and character defects and trauma that comes up. So if you have a child that's very difficult, that's the child that's going to take you to the promised land. So give that child everything that child needs. If you have two, you got two gifts. <laughs> to the promised land. All right. Thank you for letting me share. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.